0: This week's episode on comedy writing is brought to you by Amazon Prime Student. If you're like me, you're a student, and if you're also like me, you love Amazon, the uh, the company with no with no human rights violations, no labor problems, the 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 perfect company. With Amazon Prime Student, you can get fast, free shipping on over 100 million items, stream thousands of TV shows like Transparent, no problem there, and movies like the ones made by Woody Allen, again, no issues. You can get exclusive college deals. After your trial, Prime Student is just six forty nine a month. Half the price of a non-student membership you can cancel anytime, and you get top deals for students on electronics, school supplies, and more. You know, and those, those, when you get those packages from them, they're shipped by people who are paid a fair wage, who, uh, who get breaks, who don't have to piss themselves in the Amazon warehouse. No, they don't have to do any of that. At Amazon, they find the deals, you shop, save, and enjoy. Students can start their free six month trial of Amazon Prime by going to Bordakari.com slash Prime Student. That's Bordakari.com slash Prime Student. Be woke.
1: This is a Boardwalk Audio Podcast.
0: On comedy writing, on comedy writing, 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 writing. Thanks for downloading this episode of On Comedy Writing, the podcast about the business and craft of writing comedy. I'm your host, Alan Johnson. You have got a great episode, but first, the thing I say every week, the best way to support this show is by going to boardwalkaudio.com oncomedywriting. Click the support artist button shop on Amazon and really get a little kickback. And I do want you to shop on Amazon this week, I guess, or, or anywhere else if you want. You don't have to shop on Amazon now that I say that out loud. It sounds bad. This week's guest is Carrie Whitmer. She's the co-founder of comedy website The Belladonna. If you're a woman... Are in other marginalized gender, you can and should submit to them. As we say in the episode, they, in the other, Carrie and the other editors, give feedback to every submission, which is completely unheard of. You know, usually you just send stuff in the void and either gets accepted or rejected. So to get feedback and to you know get a chance to improve is uh, pretty special. So take advantage of that. Carrie also does non-comedy writing for Business Insider, which we talk a little bit about. And Carrie and the other Bella editors, including Caitlin Kunkel, former former guest of the show. They have a book out now called New Neurotica for Feminists. They gave me a copy. Came out uh, when well, I'm recording this on Tuesday, the day before this comes out. But came out today. Uh, it's great. You know, check it out. Get get. It's a good gift. Get it for Christmas. Get it for uh, for someone's birthday. It's a fun little uh, gift book. And uh, I read a little bit. I just got it. I've read like, a couple things. It's very funny so far. So check it out. You know, I can't recommend it enough. So here is Carrie Whitmer. <laughs> Uh, Carrie, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Where are you uh, from originally?
1: Um, I am originally from the Chicago area, but I grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina.
0: Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Did you like uh, growing up there?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like a pretty good place to grow up. I had a good childhood. Mm -hmm. It was, grew up in a nice neighborhood. Yeah. Like pretty houses.
0: (laughs) Were you into comedy at a young age?
1: Yeah. um, But I didn't really realize I wanted to like do it. Like it was always like. Somewhere in me, but because I grew up in like a pretty basic town where everyone goes to the college their parents went to and then they come and work right. at their parents like company, you know, that's just not something I like really considered for myself. I wanted to be a lawyer for a long time, which is I'm too dumb for that. Um, but <laughs> it is funny yeah, how
0: everyone always like the lawyers and doctors are like the generic jobs. They're, like, really hard. Yeah, my
1: dad's a doctor, so, and my mom was a nurse, so I was, like, always thinking, like, you need to take, like, a career track where it's kind of set up for you, Mm -hmm. Um, but I did start getting really into comedy in, like, middle school. I was not allowed to do this, but I would sneak into the basement and watch SNL, Um, and then in high school, I would watch um, Colbert and Conan. I, like, for some reason, really connected with Conan O'Brien.
0: Oh, I love Conan. Good. Conan's my favorite of the late night hosts, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't really watch him anymore because, no. like, who watches TBS? And I don't really right. watch any late night. Yeah, I who just, watches
0: late night? Really. Yeah, I
1: just watch, like, when a video goes viral or, like, for my job, like, I sometimes have to, like, write about stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I that's how I got into comedy.
0: Conan's got that, that new format coming up. Yeah, out, that's kind of
1: exciting. Yeah. And I'll probably give it a shot. Um, but I don't really, like, I guess, like, I'm just not, I just don't give a shit about celebrities. And I feel right. like all those, like, late night shows are so focused on the interviews that I, I just, like, don't care.
0: Um, but Yeah. Well, the celebrity bits have gotten, like, they're, like, most of the show these yeah. days.
1: Sorry, I just hit the water. Um, is this for me? Oh yeah, this is for you, oh, yeah. Amazing. I definitely need that. Um yeah, but I think like if he's shifting to thirty minutes, right?
0: Right. So I so, think it might cut some celebrity stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: That would be really exciting because he's like so he's so funny.
0: Yeah, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> Were you doing like any um any writing or performance stuff during this time?
1: Um, no. I I was like really anti-social um (laughs) i didn't have that many friends i mostly spent like middle middle school and high school reading harry potter and like listening to harry potter podcasts like back when no one knew what podcasts were (laughs) um so it was like mostly that i didn't really do writing like i i had a diary because i was a teenage girl but Mm -hmm. i wasn't like writing jokes
0: i wish i kept a diary I wish I I should keep a diary now. I wish.
1: Well, I didn't keep the diary.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was thrown in the trash a long time ago. Um so if anyone has found it, please let me know. Um but yeah, I I didn't really write jokes. I didn't I don't think I really realized that you could like have writing jokes as a job until I was much older. Mm. When I think around the time, like kind of like the golden age of television, when like Mad Men and Breaking Bad were on, like showrunners became like celebrities kind of. And then I realized, oh, like a bunch of people write this. Like it doesn't just happen. It's not magic.
0: Right. And I wonder if that's like changed now in terms of like people growing up like with that, if they now think like, oh, yeah, this is a lawyer, doctor, creator of a prestige television show.
1: (laughs) I kind of hope not well it'd be weird (laughs) yeah we need we need more women we don't need any more white dudes writing about (laughs) white dudes
0: but yeah it's it's interesting how it's maybe more of a of a career path than than it used to be or yeah known as i I definitely
1: think so i mean it is it is cool it just means that there's more people to compete with for tv writing jobs but i think there's probably definitely more people who like think of like writing for drama more so than comedy
0: right it is weird to think it, it probably was easier to get a TV writing job like 15 years ago than yeah. it is now because there's yeah. like it's in now it's so but cool it's so damn cool it's <laughs>
1: cool but there's also so many fucking shows that it's maybe easier yeah like there I, I guess like 15 years ago like I would never try to pursue this because like none of the shows would have really it was like SNL like that was the comedy show yeah. there was like Daily Show. Um, but like neither I don't think either of those shows would be a fit for me. Like I'm more like like I would love to have written for Billy on the street, mm-hmm. but that wouldn't have existed 15 years ago. right
0: Tony Collette has a new Netflix show. She does called Wonderlust. Yeah. It's crazy. Like never heard yeah. nothing about it.
1: So yes. So I like r- for my full time job, mm-hmm. I like pretend to be a journalist at business, etc. So I'm <laughs> like the TV writer. Um, which is beneficial for me because I literally watch TV for my job. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm like, I secretly want to write for television, but this is good experience. (laughs) Um, I watch so much TV. I get PR emails from Netflix about some of the most random shows. (laughs) I've never heard anything about this show. It was in my, I have a screener account. Um, so I can watch like shows and movies ahead of time. And it was in my account for months and I had no idea what it was and I never watched it.
0: So still have weird. it. It's so weird with with Netflix how it's just yeah. like they just put the content out and like you just got to find it.
1: They much. have like this week. I think they have like five shows coming out on Friday. Really? It's like Narcos Mexico, which is oh, like a new, Yeah, it's like a new season of Narcos, but they're like basically starting with a new story. Oh, okay. Diego Luna and Michael Pena are in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. And Jackie Earl Haley, I think.
0: Oh, I haven't heard that guy's name in a while. Right. Wow. But yeah, it is weird how there's, there is more content than ever. And maybe less, yeah. is, less is being watched than ever too. I mean, more is being watched, but less. Yeah. Like these, these things are, I, who's watching that Tony Collette show. That's my yeah. question. Well,
1: th- the the thing that's really funny is that I think about this a lot, but since I've been doing this for like two years, I've mostly been like the TV person for like a year and a half. Um, I watch less shows than I did before. Oh,
0: interesting! It's
1: just that I watch the shows that I watch. I think I watch like a little more intently. Is that the right word? Like I yeah. just concentrate more on what I watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but not going to watch Westworld again. Oh, at least I wasted my I, time I, on season two. <laughs>
0: oh, I didn't see any any of season two. Good. It's <laughs> not good. Uh, so when you were in high school, did you know what you wanted to do?
1: Um, uh, I wanted to be on SNL. But I didn't tell anyone that because I was like, you can't do that. I don't want to be on SNL anymore. I cannot really stay up past midnight. So um, <laughs> that would not be good for me. Um, so I, I I, had like I said before, like I had like a comedy bug. I hate when people say that, but I'm saying that now. <laughs> um, I like had something in me and I always knew I wanted to work in entertainment in some way. I just don't think I really knew writing was the way to go into it and comedy writing specifically until I was in college. Um, but in high school, I just like knew I wanted to work in movies and TV. Um, for some time I wanted to be a costume designer. I can, uh. I cannot sew. Um, <laughs> and I went to college with the intention of majoring in costume design still couldn't sew. Um, but then I changed my major because I realized that I could not sew. Uh, so I was like, Oh, like what can I do where I don't really have to like, make art because I was at an art college, Savannah College of Art and Design in Georgia. Um, and I found out they had a writing major that I did not know about. It, so I did that.
0: Whoa. So, yeah. well, so what was uh, the first couple of days of like costume design like?
1: Um, I didn't really take a specific costume design class. Oh, okay. ch- I took a class. It was like introduction to production design. Um, and it was mostly like we had a project where we had to e- experiment with lighting. We had to do tech on like the shows that the drama department was doing I hated that. Um, (laughs) I also had to... I had to do, like, sketches for, um, like, a... I think the project was, like, we had to design costumes for, like, a Rumpelstiltskin production. (laughs) And I was like, I hate this. Um, (laughs) So I was like, this is not the way for me to go. Um, But I had always been told by a lot of teachers um, and a couple professors, like, my first year of college that I was a good writer. So I was like, that's, like, the only thing people have told me i'm good at like my entire <laughs> life so maybe i should do that
0: so was your writing program was it like uh english or was it like
1: um it was really um comprehensive it was like i took non-fiction writing a lot of non writing i took memoir classes i took uh playwriting classes oh, wow. and i took like we had to take like a news writing class uh, so we had like journalism, like a media, like communications class and like a business writing class where I learned how to write a professional email, which has been pretty good for me, even though I'm still not very good at it, but it was like a really, it was really set up to make sure that these struggling artists could actually have like a career to support them. Like I would not be able to support myself and live here and have the job I have right now if I hadn't had that education, cause mm-hmm. I learned how to write a news story.
0: That is, like... It is writing the major, which yeah. is great. Really, that is it's yeah, very, it's very like, comprehensive. I think
1: now it's, like, creative writing, but at the mm-hmm. time when I was doing it, it was literally just called writing.
0: What are the what are the keys to a good business email? I'm just curious.
1: I do not know. Um, <laughs> uh, it was, like, very similar... To, it's very similar to writing, like, a news story, which has also, also helped me, like, be able to write, like, satirical news, like The Onion and, like, ClickHole and stuff. Um, they it's like you just like say what you need to say in the least amount of time possible. Like mm-hmm. no one wants to be reading an email. Right, so you right. make it short. So my emails are just like, thanks. Great. When can you get this to me? Right. Like, right. I don't, I don't put any bullshit. <laughs> I just put a lot of exclamation points. Cause I feel weird saying professional sentences.
0: Well, it is weird. It feels like you have to put exclamation points to show that you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> to show that you're not mad yeah. at someone, which, uh, no, I don't think anyone's really figured that out.
1: Yeah, I also just like hate like email language, like office like email language, <laughs> like on this ask, and I don't know, that, I don't even know if it, like I'm trying to think of one, and I cannot think of one because I hate them so much. So I try not to write them, um, or like on this am, can you please do this? Oh like, yeah, that's that is weird. On this am, like I <laughs> yeah, what just say like this morning? Like there's no need to add a bunch of words.
0: Uh, So after college, did you, did you move to New York?
1: Um, Yeah. So basically I um, was struggling to get a job. I graduated in 2011, which the economy was really bad. So I could not get a job. And I decided I wanted to try this comedy thing. And I was like, I can't just like get a job on Parks and Rec. Like (laughs) that's just not going to happen for me. Um, So I lived with my parents for a while. Um, They had moved to Southern Alabama while I was in college. Um, and so I lived with him. I was miserable, but I like wrote a lot and I watched a lot of TV. I finished the Sopranos and the wire and Deadwood. Wow. I had a lot of free time. So I I did get to watch all those shows. i never had time for before. Um, and I moved to Boston. I lived there very briefly for like nine months. I worked in advertising as like a copywriter, Um, because it pays money. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, then I visited my friends in New York and I was like, God, Boston sucks. Um, so I left Boston, saved up some money, lived with my parents for a couple more months and then came up here in 2013.
0: And why'd you choose uh, New York?
1: Because I knew I wanted to do comedy. I knew it was a good place where I could, I always knew like, I'm not really a performer, but I could just like make connections and meet people while, while I was here. And I just like love I've just always known I wanted to live here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty much why.
0: It's interesting that you said that you're not a performer, but you believed you can make connections. Because I feel like a lot of people who come on the show are like, yeah, if you, you got to perform to meet people to do that.
1: Yeah, this is something that I talk about a lot. Because like, I run a site, um, and I mostly do like writing online, like comedy writing online. Um, I do dabble in stand-up sometimes, um, but I haven't done it in a while because I just like don't feel like I'm truly myself. But I... like. Founded my site, The Belladonna, like, while I... I had been here already for, like, three years. Um, Because we felt like that was a problem. Because we were feeling like we're not all performers. We're very funny. We're really good writers. But we just need an outlet where people can see that. Where we don't have to be on a stage. I don't mind being on a stage, but I don't like performing. Like, I'm fine, like, being on, like, panels or whatever. Like, doing a monologue or something like that. But I'm not really... Like my stand-up is fine, but I'm like, I know I'm not good at it. So like, that's <laughs> not going to get me a job. Like my portfolio can hopefully one day get me a job writing for like a show or something.
0: Uh, when did you start writing uh, stuff online?
1: Oh God. Um, I had been for a while. I, I was mostly posting stuff on my medium page. You're familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I was just publishing it myself. <laughs> um, but around like early 2014, um, I had been here for about a year and I was working as a hostess as, at a restaurant. I was not doing what I thought I would. I could not afford to take classes at UCB because um, I was making like $12 an hour and working nights all the time. Um, so I just was like, you know what? I just need to start like writing articles that would like go on Reductress or like ClickHole. Um and just post like all the time Post like at least one or two a week So I started doing that in like early 2014 um, And did that for pretty I, I was pretty good about it for a while um, And then through a bunch of Facebook groups With comedy writers online um, Mostly like women focused ones um, I met my uh, co-editors of the site I founded in 2016 The Belladonna And my co-authors of my book New <laughs> for Feminists Which is out today <laughs>
0: Uh when you're when you're writing stuff online uh there's like not really any any real deadlines so how do you discipline mm-hmm. yourself to like get stuff out
1: Oh my god it's so hard especially because I have like a really pretty demanding full-time job Um what I try to do is I like set a deadline for myself Um if I'm d- but if I'm doing something that is topical that's like kind of based off something that's going on in the news or something like there is basically a deadline. So, um, like last year when the, I don't even want to say his name, but the Louis CK story came out. Um, and he, um, sent his apology to the New York times. Like I had to write about it for work, but I was like in rage. I was so mad at his apology, which wasn't really an apology. So I wrote a piece that's like now one of our like most read things on the site. That was just like a, basically his apology but like I just made it crazy um so I did that in like 30 minutes like I sent it to my um co-editors who like edited it and like helped me um make it better um but that was all done in like two hours so when there's something that like when you know it has an expiration date it's so much easier
0: Mm -hmm. What, what do you like about online writing that's different from like um you know performance stuff
1: um I don't like having to rely on other people or not rely on other people. Cause that's not really what improv is. It's like, I i haven't tried improv because I want to be responsible for myself. I don't want to have to feel like I'm responsible for someone else's performance. That gives me a lot of anxiety. Um, so I, I think I just like writing online because it's, it just feels like the most me, um, yeah, I'm just, like, not my best when I'm performing, to be honest. Um, and I feel, I I just feel like I'm more myself because I am kind of hiding behind a screen. So I don't feel like, I don't have, like, that voice in my head being like, is that too weird? Like, if it's too weird, who cares? Like, no one is going to come up right. to me and, like, tell me that.
0: That's interesting. So you kind of feel more more free to do Oh, stuff. for sure. Yeah. Cool. Um. So what would be your advice to people who are trying to like get into like online online humor writing?
1: Um I would research outlets that uh you can write for. Um and read those outlets. Don't submit to a site if you haven't read it because they know. We know <laughs> if you haven't read the site because we can see what you wrote. Um it's it's very obvious when people um I love it when people submit to The Belladonna, but we can tell if you have never read our site. Cause we'll get we only accept um satire and comedy. Um and we like it to be like a heightened. We don't accept like humorous personal essays. That's like send that to like the cut. Um so so that I I definitely do research. Try to just like perfect your voice and if it's you Keep getting rejected. It's probably for a reason. I got rejected by McSweeney's for years. I started submitting to them, I think, in like 2010 when I was still in college. I was an idiot. (laughs) But I sent like lists to them all the time and always got rejected. And then after a while, I was like, huh, maybe he's like rejecting me because I'm not good. (laughs) <laughs> um, so that's kind of when I started, like, I'm just going to write like every something new every week. I'm just going to publish it on my personal stuff, see how people react to it. And then I got better. I'm so much better than I was then. <laughs> um, and I still have a lot of work to do. Um, but I would just say like a re- read what's online because there's some great people. There's some great sites you've probably never heard of. Um, like the New Yorkers always, they now publish something daily. They have like amazing people. Um, And a lot of cartoonists I went to college with at SCAD. Um, They're wonderful. And um, there's a couple other sites. Uh, Points and Case is good. Um, I just think, like, doing research and figuring out what site is, like, the best for your voice. Like, I have a piece in The New Yorker, but I'm not going to agonize over getting something published in The New Yorker again because that's not me. Like, when I sit down and try to write something for Daily Shouts, I'm just like... Struggling so hard because it's just not the best outlet for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned the the Belladonna before, but mm-hmm. how did that begin?
1: Um, it literally began with a Facebook group for comedy female comedy writers. Um, I started posting a, like this was in 2016. A couple times I had posted in the group, being like, "Hey, like it would be really cool to like start a, a comedy and satire website that's like different from Reductress." Like I wanted like a female. Um, focus site like for female and non-binary binary auth- uh, writers um, because I think Reductress is amazing, but it is a very specific voice. Um, so you can't really like be as free because you are writing for a brand. Um, their brand is amazing, but it, it's like more restrictive because like they have to be more picky about what they take. Um, so I just like posted, I think like, Two years ago this week, I posted in this group saying I wanted to start a website. Does anyone want to do it? And I had posted it like six times and no one responded for, <laughs> it, for like the course of the entire year. Um, and Caitlin Kunkel, who was on your on the pod, oh, um, she was like the first person to respond. And then Fiona Taylor responded. And Caitlin knew Brooke Preston uh, from their Comedy Days in Portland, Oregon. Not Maine. Uh, (laughs) uh, and she like looped her in and we just like talked on the phone like once a week, uh, for like four months and then launched the site, um, February,
0: 2017. So how do you even go about starting a a website?
1: We had no idea what we were doing. Um, but the first thing we did was we sent each other... Um, our favorite work that we'd done, and we established what our voice was going to be and kind of what our content was going to be. Um, so the first thing was just, like, naming the site um, and just, like, establishing what our personality would be. Uh, and then that, then at, once we had all of that, um, we asked, I think like 20 to 30 writers that we knew to submit work before we launched. Um, and we just kind of got a feel of what my headphones are falling (laughs) off. Um, we got a feel of what people were submitting to us, um, and got like an idea of what our voice could be. Uh, and, after that, that's when we decided. Okay, here's how we do like all of the admin stuff, like all the boring. Like here's how we respond to submissions and how we're gonna like coordinate on responding to um, submissions and all the really boring stuff. It's literally all just sending so many emails. It's <laughs> so many emails.
0: The business email class comes. Kim's yeah, candidate.
1: yeah. <clears throat> we we try to be like a little fun. Like what? And um, we do not pay because we have no money. Um, but we, um, established like very early on that, even though we don't pay, like every time we reject someone, or even if we do accept someone, we always give feedback. Um, so that's like our little, not like we are not saying that's equal to money, but we try to like give construction, constructive feedback. And we've seen a lot of writers really grow, Mm -hmm. um, over time.
0: It's great that you guys provide feedback because that's like un- unheard of. Yeah, much.
1: I think um, Chris Monks from McSweeney's gives a little bit sometimes, um, but mostly to people who keep submitting. Um, so I think like the time when I was like, wait, maybe I'm not good was probably because he replied to an email, like replied to a submission and was like, it's not quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like always very polite. And he was honestly the inspiration for what we do now.
0: Yeah, that, that, that is like insane though. That is great. Because like people, because especially you just submit stuff into the wind and then it's like, no, yeah. we don't take this like, okay.
1: Yeah, so it is, it is wild how much content people just have. So <laughs> we, uh, we used to just reply to all acceptances and rejections like right away, um, but now we schedule them. We usually don't schedule exceptions, but rejections we schedule because we found that there are certain people who, once you send a, we only take one piece at a time. So you send a rejection and literally 20 minutes later, they sent another submission. <laughs> and we're like, we are like trying to help you and we know like what you have is not for us. So we want you to like take some time, like, don't. The more you submit is not going to benefit you. I think the more time you put into where you're submitting, hmm. you're going to have more results.
0: So what what do you look for in submissions?
1: Um is it surprising? Have we seen it before? We don't want to have seen it before. We do get a lot of great submissions, but it's like a topic like um we've been getting a lot of submissions lately that are like pegged to the apocalypse. And some of them are great, but we have published like 3 pieces recently <laughs> about the apocalypse. So we're like we we don't want to be we're not an apocalypse comedy site. Um but that is a very good idea. Um <laughs> <laughs> that I will take credit for. Um we look for I think the first thing I look for is was this written for us? Even if I can even if it probably wasn't. Like does it feel like it has a home on our site? Um because sometimes we'll sometimes we get copy and pasted McSweeney's submissions and we're like, You couldn't even bother to like delete like the
0: Oh right, that thing. Yeah.
1: You you know. If (laughs) if you submit to McSweeney's and you listen are listening right now, you know. Like the name, the email, the phone number, the title. Like we get that and we're like, You could have You could have deleted that. Um, We know. Um, And we do get a lot of pieces that are really good, but would have a home on Reductress. And very early on, we decided the Onion and Reductress are the best at satirical news. We're not going to we're not going to be them. We're not going to publish pieces that would go on Reductress because we don't want to compete with them because we love them. And they were very much have in many ways been inspiring to us. Although I've never been byline there, but I have submitted a lot. <laughs> um, um, but we do encourage people to like tweak something and be like, Hey, like maybe if you just like, um, go a little bit more unhinged, then it could be a fit for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. H- how has the site changed since you started it?
1: A lot. Um, I think that it's still, like, the spirit and, like, the personality that we started. But I think now that we have so many more contributors and we get so many more submissions, it's become, like, something bigger than we ever anticipated. Um, Like, I don't think we thought, like, oh, maybe we'll have, like, 500 followers on, like, Twitter. But now we have, like, almost, like, 4,000, I think. I don't know. Um I haven't checked. Um I don't like look at the numbers when I go on the Twitter account. <laughs> um but it's like growing really fast and I I think the biggest thing that has changed is that I mean meeting these my co-founders and editors got me a book. Um and um it's kind of built this great community um of people like me, like comedy writers like me who aren't necessarily performers, um but I've also met some other comedians and it's just been the the site is pretty much the same as when we started, but I think just like everything around it has been mm-hmm. what's changed the most and has honestly changed my life in great ways. Uh
0: and digital comedy is obviously kind digital of digital comedy a... is
1: a good way of putting
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> well, digital comedy is obviously like in a in a weird place right now. So how how do you like run a, a comedy site in twenty eighteen with that in mind?
1: Um what do you mean digital comedy isn't a weird place? I guess I mean, like,
0: you know, like, uh, a funnier dies. Like, mm-hmm. people are laying. There's, like, not much money in it.
1: So, yes. So, we're aware of that. Um, and we do have long-term plans to monetize. Um, but we... It's a little too early in the stages for that right now. Because um, we don't want to, like... Ha- have be like, Hey, we can pay our writers, but it's fifteen dollars. you know we want to actually have like a fee that people would that would inspire people to actually want to do it um so what What we decided to do because we kind of started the site around the time when Facebook started to um, kind of screw over publishers by showing like more statuses of your friends. Um, So we don't focus. We have a Facebook account and we post all of our pieces on Facebook, but we do not focus on Facebook at all. We've seen more growth on Twitter and Instagram. And um, one of our um, plan, long term plans is to do uh, college shows last year. The weekend we were writing the book proposal. Um, in March we did a show at Brown, and Caitlin led a satire workshop. So we're kind of we hopefully have a plan to hopefully starting next year to kind of try to do that because the colleges pay good money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and it's it's really fun. We just like hosted a show. We had like um these really amazing college students have at Brown have um they have like a sketch comedy group um. And they just did some performances. A couple um, students did stand up, and it was really fun. And then we, um, b- right, b- the afternoon before the show um, was the workshop. Mm-hmm. So we're ho- hoping that that can be a way that we can um, monetize mm-hmm. and grow, and just a- also make people more aware of our site.
0: Yeah. What's your uh, favorite Belladonna piece ever?
1: Oh my god. Um. This is so hard. Um, Actually, I believe that my favorite piece was published recently. It is called, we have a series called Top 10 Sex Dreams. um, And a writer recently wrote Top 10 Sex Dreams I've had about Paul Hollywood. But it's like not <laughs> sex at all. Like it's literally just like about like him talking about baking. Um, <laughs> it's great.
0: Paul Hall that guy's not a good guy, right? No,
1: I think he's fine. So I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't get I mean drama I don't think the, the I don't great... think I don't think he
0: Oh, he's not like a he's not like a really bad guy. But I'm saying didn't oh, he okay. like
1: so he's not like
0: a what we no. call a yes. bad man. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean that. I meant that he like didn't he kind of screw over the other Mary people. Mary Barry? Yeah, for the I don't know. I thought he got the the big contract. From what then.
1: I gathered, it was kind of like um one of those things where she maybe wanted more money. Okay. And, like, couldn't get it and then left. Mm-hmm. And now she has, like, another show that's, like, not good.
0: Oh, um, really? Yeah.
1: It's on Hulu. I forget what it's called. What it's she- not even about baking. It's about cooking. And I'm like, oh, that's really? not why we came. That's, <laughs> y- you talk about cookies or biscuits, whatever they call them, um, <laughs> over there in the UK. Um, but I think is. Paul Hollywood seems like a good guy. I hope he's a good
0: guy. He could be. I, I didn't mean yeah. to besmirch Paul Hollywood. No.
1: But they did have a spinoff in the US, like the Great American Baking Show, that they, it was like a thing that I think it was on ABC, and they aired it like just around the holidays for like two years. And last year, like the week it was supposed to air, the. Um, judge for, the Paul Hollywood of the American version was accused of like sexual harassment and then they just like canceled it and Whoa. they didn't air any of the episodes
0: wow so yeah he's, he's better than that guy at the very yes
1: least. he's Paul Hollywood is
0: better than whoever that guy was uh and so you're you're we mentioned before but you're an entertainment journalist mm-hmm. how'd you get involved with
1: that um so around the time we were um developing the belladonna I was unemployed I had a lot of time and I needed a job um so I had done a couple freelance things and I just like I knew I wasn't gonna get a job in comedy um and so it was just one of those things where I was just applying to every single writing job I could see um and was not keeping track of them and so I applied to job at Business Insider on the entertainment team and like months later I get an email being like we'd love to have you come in for an interview and I was like I literally don't remember applying to this (laughs) um and I came in and I thought I did so terribly in the interview that I like went home and cried and started applying to like other jobs um like babysitting jobs and I was like oh god um and then I got an email despite the fact that I forgot to send a thank you email for, having, for them having me in, they like, were like, You've like, we would love to off- offer you this position. And I was like, okay. So um, <laughs> that's how I got it. I literally just applied online to a company. Um, that's the first time that's ever happened without a connection. Um, and so I've been there since late January of 2017.
0: So so what makes for, like, good entertainment journalism?
1: Um, I think it really depends on the person. Um, I think that great entertainment journalism kind of has a slant. Like, you kind of need to know. I think, like, the journalist kind of needs to have a personality because you need to know what they like and who they like. Like, no, like, no one really reads a TV critic that, doesn't have like some kind of personality. Like we all loved Roger Ebert was so great because we knew what he liked. We kind of knew what his thing was. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of have a presence, um, which is why entertainment journalists are like extremely on Twitter. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so like, that's very me. Um, and just like quick, uh, and just, you know, what's going to be good. Um, I mean, I've like been obsessed with film and TV for so long that I'm like, even though I'm like, not, I feel very guilty sometimes because I'm like, not do this. Isn't my dream job. Like I want to write for TV. I know a lot of other entertainment journalists want to do that as well. And that's why they're all doing it. Um, But for some people, it is their dream job. And I'm like, you're just so much better at this than me like (laughs) because you care so much more. Um, I do. I do care a lot. And I put a lot of thought into like everything I do. But I also think like um, if you interview people asking them thoughtful and relevant questions, um, I hate, hate, hate when people ask like, um, here's an example. I was doing an interview with the showrunners for House of Cards like, two weeks ago, like, right before the final season came out, mm-hmm. and I, like, jumped in on a conference call, and the I feel so bad talking shit, but I have no idea who this person was, <laughs> but whoever was on, um, there was another, like, journalist who was talking to them when, like, so I was just, like, waiting for them to finish, but I could hear them, and the last question he asked them was, like, oh, so are there gonna be any, like, sequel, like, a, is there gonna be a movie or, like, a reboot, <laughs> and I'm, like, can we just, like, not ask this question? Like, these people obviously want to be dumb with this show. Like, can they just, like, let it die? Um, So, like, I'm not really into, like, fandom entertainment journalism, right, I right. guess. I mean, I do write a lot about MCU and Star Wars, but um, I don't know. Not, like, in the way where I'm, like, I don't know yeah. how to describe it.
0: Uh, I'm, this is something I've noticed in, in comedy journalism is that it's very overwhelmingly positive in kind mm-hmm. of a strange way. Yeah. Do you do you like what, why do you think that is? Because if it seems like not so as critical as it I, sh- maybe could or should. I be I think
1: that a lot of it may have to do with the fact that a lot of the journalists writing about comedy <laughs> want to be in comedy right. or are so they're not going to write bad things. I really. I used to feel so weird. Like when I first started at business insider for like the first six months, I was like, just, I was like an intern. So I was, I didn't really have a beat yet. Um, but then I became like, when I was hired full time, I was the like entertainment. They were like, you're the TV person. You're like our TV critic and you do all TV coverage. And then we have, um, like a great film reporter. Um, so I felt so weird. Like, I think the first review I did the first review I did was Glow, which I loved, so I wrote a positive review of Glow, yeah. and then um, my editor was like, "Oh, we should like do Friends from College. A lot of people are talking about it." <laughs> and I watch it, and I'm like, "I fucking hate this." And I felt so weird. I'm like, "I don't know. Like, I love all these people. I don't I didn't want to write this like horrible review." But my review is scathing, and it is online, and I did not feel bad about it because you have to be honest. That's like the most important thing about. Mm-hmm. That I forgot to say about entertainment journalism. <laughs> like, you have to be honest, and like any reporter has to be honest. Um, and I don't want to recommend a show that's shitty to people. Right. You know? Um, but I learned, a, but I also, I'm glad I watched all of Friends from College, even though it was agonizing, because I learned, <laughs> like, I will not, if I ever write a show, I will not make it this bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is funny, because there is a um, kind of a thing in comedy where people, uh won't say like bad things about other people yeah but that does kind of lead to things like you know louis ck and stuff or like it's just in the entertainment industry in general tries to everyone's maybe too nice to each other
1: oh oh for sure um i i mean if i'm if i am in a position where i am a tv a tv writer writing for a show and i see someone's show and i know people on it i'm probably not going to publicly talk shit about right. the show because I don't want to offend anyone, and it also might have not have to do anything with like one writer in a writer's room. Um, a lot of those decisions could have been someone else's fault. Um, so like I understand why it is, but I think there also like people need to maybe call out people a little more for mm. especially if there's like insensitive storylines. Mm. um the friends from college didn't have anything insensitive, but I'm trying to think of a show, like thirteen reasons why um oh, yeah, yeah, which is what like I call the suicide show, which really upset me um oh. so i I think that not a lot of people like. In the, it, it's always usually entertainment journalists are the only ones calling people out. Um, but there was like a really great interview that, um, Inko Kang from Slate did with the creator of Bojack Horseman, whose name is escaping me, that made me watch oh, yeah. the show. I hadn't been watching it because, like, my ex was like obsessed with it and <laughs> would never stop talking about Bojack Horseman. So I was like, I will never <laughs> in my life watch Bojack Horseman. But um, I read her interview and she um, like kind of called him out because Allison Brie is the voice. I didn't realize this is the oh, voice yeah, of an yeah. Asian character. Um, and it was like a really great interview. And he was like super great. Like his answers were authentic and honest. And he was like, I fucked up and I'm trying like I can't like recast Allison Brie. She's still really great at the role um but i'm trying to do better and do diverse casting like in each episode in the new season um and going forward so i thought that was like really interesting and that's like a great example of like an entertainment journalist like kind of changing hopefully changing the way that television writers yeah. cast and everything
0: yeah
1: yeah how
0: do you how do you balance your your work writing with your comedy writing cuz Cause i cuz cause i know like it's people hard. yeah cuz people with <laughs> with day jobs they tend to be, like, not writing. Like they don't involve writing. So then now you have, like, double writing on top yeah. of everything. Yeah, so
1: um, I think the a way I kind of rationalize it is that I'm on Twitter all day, and I'm always joking on
0: Twitter.
1: <laughs> like, I never really post anything serious. So even if I'm posting, like, an article of mine, I, like, put a joke. Um, so I try to, like, kind of always be on and to just, like, see other people on Twitter all day. And I talk to the IG chat my Belladonna editor's, all day, and we like joke online. That's literally how Neurotica for Feminists came to be, because we were just g chatting like a joke about LaCroix and Tom Hardy um, delivering seltzer to us. Um, <laughs> so it, it's really hard, um, but I will say I am better at writing comedy when I'm busy than when I'm unemployed and have nothing to do. Mm. Um, and I'm better at it than when I was like doing like nannying or I've done lots of jobs, um, <laughs> nannying or working at a restaurant. Cause working at a restaurant, I was like tired all, I was exhausted all the time. Um, especially from working at night. So like during the day I'm like, oh, I have work in six hours. I don't want to exhaust myself by like writing comedy. Um, so that's didn't really like that schedule wasn't really great for me, but working like a nine to five, I'm like. I have a schedule, so I do force myself to balance my time better. And I do feel better about it because I do – because I'm, like, in entertainment, Um, it's a lot different. Like, I'm not, like – I'm not reporting, like, about the environment. Right. I'm not <laughs> reporting on, like – like, I'm not, like, a White House reporter. So I get the chance to put a little more of my personality and, like, a little more fun stuff into – my writing, um, just because entertainment is kind of opinion, like kind of is a hybrid with opinion writing. Um, and my editor is like great and doesn't edit out mo- most of my weird <laughs> jokes. Um, so, uh, I'm pretty lucky. Um, and it also helps motivate me that I'm like actually doing something that will be beneficial to me because I like, know a lot of people in the industry now. Um, People might remember my name if I ever meet them in any other capacity from like a writing standpoint. Um, So it, that kind of helps motivate me to like be better and to watch like a, a bunch of television that's either bad or good or mediocre mm-hmm. helps me as well. So I'll just be like, hey, like I could do something better than this or <laughs> wait, this is actually something that's really great and I should like think about this if I'm ever... Like pitching a show or something.
0: So, New Yorker Feminist, yes, uh, it's out out today. Out today. Uh, how did that start?
1: Um, it literally started with a G chat. Um, I I do not remember. I'm like the worst person to ask. Like Brooke is. I'm the worst person to ask this <laughs> question. Um, because I was at work, so I was like balancing a lot of stuff at the same time. But we have a G chat all day where we just like talk about the site. We complain about like. Stuff. Um, so I th- one day we were just like joking about Tom Hardy delivering LaCroix to us like every Tuesday. Um, we were like, wouldn't that just be great if like Tom Hardy delivered LaCroix to like our homes like every week uh, personally? Um, and I think Caitlin was the one who said, wait, like that's a really good idea for a piece. And so we kind of tried to come up with a way to give it like a satirical element. Um, like we needed like a premise. So we kind of started, we were like, what if we did like porn tropes and like did all these fantasies like for feminists um, and like women and lots of people, everyone's into Tom Hardy. I hope." <laughs> um, so that's basically what happened. And we were just like riffing in G chat. Um, and then we made a Google doc and just copy and pasted a bunch of the jokes we put into a Google doc and we um, edited it together in google docs um and then it was around we were writing it around the time that it was the one year anniversary of the site um in february so we were like let's submit it somewhere so we can get some more visibility to the site on the anniversary and we submitted it to the new yorker it got rejected (laughs) um and then we submitted it to mcsweeney's and chris monks accepted it um, and published it around, uh, I think like the first week of February and then, uh, like a week later we get an email from a woman who said that she was an editor, editorial director at a publishing house in the United Kingdom. And the piece had gotten around her office and everyone loved it. And she was like, I want to make this a gift book to come out in November. And we were like, what (laughs) um and we like googled her we like tried to make sure it wasn't a spam because she was like i can like put together contract by the end of the week and we were like what the fuck so we google her she's real her email was like the actual email format that the publisher has uh (laughs) so that was like the first thing i said i was like we need to make sure that's actually their email format (laughs) um so yeah, so we realized she was real. We were like, this is amazing and they sent us this like lovely pitch with with a bunch of like imagery, like fruit imagery and like condoms and like it was it was really fun. And then we were like, wait, we need to get an agent because that's who negotiates a contract. Right. So we interviewed a bunch of agents over like a period of 2 days. Um we picked one. It was a very easy choice. She was amazing. Um and then she um, kind of helped us put together a proposal for the U.S. Um, because that's just how it works. Like, you, unless you're a celebrity, you don't just like get a book deal um, in the U.S. So we put together a proposal over a weekend while we were doing a performance at Brown, <laughs> um, and then we just did a couple interviews um, at various publishers uh, throughout the city. Um, and we chose uh, Plume, which is a division of Penguin Random House, and they just published Phoebe Robinson's book. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. So, what was the process like of of writing the 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 kind of outline? Um, or the the book proposal. The book proposal.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we had to divide it. We kind of had to ask our agent. We were like, "What's a book proposal?" <laughs> um. So I had written one in college, like for a class, um, which actually became pretty beneficial because i like found my notes um, <laughs> so you kind of have to divide it into sections so we had examples from the book we had like every we had the whole article in there but we also wrote new ones to be like here's like a taste of what like the book could have um so we wrote a couple new uh new jokes for that um we had to outline what the chapters would be so, um, we basically just like plan the whole table of, we put like the whole table of contents. Um, we kind of introduce ourselves. We had to kind of write like a personal statement about like why this book matters and why you should want to like make it a book. Um, then we had to like put together a marketing plan. We put blurbs. So we reached out to a bunch of people, um alexander petri from the washington post um and of emo kylo ren twitter gave us a quote (laughs) um i emailed jenna friedman's like yahoo email that's on her website and she responded and gave me a great blurb to put in the proposal which was like amazing she responded like right away i was like she's never gonna respond but i'll just email her um and a couple other people a couple other great people gave us uh Proposals, uh, not proposals, blurbs. Um, Scott Dickers from the onion gave us a proposal or God, I keep <laughs> saying proposal instead of blurb. Um, it gave us a blurb for the proposal. Um, so like all of that really helped. Um, so that's how that happened. And then we just did all these interviews. We got like pretty good interest. We did a lot of interviews. It was really overwhelming. It was like a long day. Being in meetings is really exhausting, even though you're <laughs> just sitting there,
0: and how fast was, like, the process of of writing the book once it was all set up?
1: Um, it took us about, I would say the whole process, including the editing phase, was about five months. So we, um, I think we chose our publisher in, like, late March, mid to late March, um, and we submitted our manuscript, like, mid-June. Um, so it was, like, we basically wrote the book in three months, but um, we changed a lot, Um after the editing phase, like throughout July and August.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess, how do you adapt like a, a McSweeney's piece into like a a full book?
1: Oh my god, I read so much erotica. I watched <laughs> really so much porn, not for pleasure at all. <laughs> like, and I would like, um, and um, I would like come up with stuff like in bed. I come up with a lot of ideas just like in the middle of the night. Because how convenient. Um, so sometimes if I couldn't sleep because I was like, just really motivated, I would like get my phone out and I'd like start reading erotica. And then my boyfriend would be like, what are you reading? And I'm like, nothing. And I'm like, why am I hiding this? Like, I, it's not like, I'm like, I'm not masturbating, like in our bed. Like I'm literally just like doing research. Um, so it was a lot of that. We basically made a Google doc that was just a bunch of erotica and porn tropes. Wow. and and since we had already so in the proposal, we had already had to divide the book into chapters. So we have literary, pop culture, parenting, every day. Um, so having those uh, chapters really, really helped us. Yeah.
0: and how did you guys balance the workload of like keeping the site going? With the book and then your day jobs, it was
1: hard. But we do for the site we have two. We have wonderful interns um, who do get school credit. It is legal, um, <laughs> so they basically do all the social media work. Um, but we were doing it all at the same time. We did a couple submission breaks um, that helped. We're on a submission break now, um, just so we can focus on the book. Um, so and I think we did a submission break for like most of May. Um, but we do schedule stuff so we'll just be like hey like we're looking for a bunch of pieces while we're on our break so we just schedule them so we don't really even have to worry about anything while we're on break mm-hmm. because everything's gonna go up anyway
0: right yeah what, what's something that surprised you about writing a book
1: how slow the book publishing process yeah. is yeah it's 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 really different especially because I work in for digital media where everything is so quick. If you don't respond to a Slack message in like five fucking minutes, they're like, where are you? (laughs) And I'm like, I'm taking a shit. Like, (laughs) um, but publishing is like, if you hear back in like two weeks, it's like, Oh, thanks for the fast response. Um, (laughs) I'm being dramatic, but not really. Um, and honestly, what surprised me the most was how, Like natural, it felt like it it just felt like the right path for me. Um, and actually writing what with three people was great. Um, I was worried that I wouldn't feel like I was part of the book. Sorry, I just like hit the laptop. Um, I move my hands a lot. Um, so I was, I was a bit worried that this, when the piece came out, I didn't really feel. Like I had like I had a lot to do with it, but it didn't feel like my voice or anything, but expanding it, like I feel like my brand is in there somehow. Mm. It's mostly the pop culture <laughs> um, but I, I really do feel like each of us have an equal part of the book. Um, so that's like the, that was the most surprising thing to me. like I, I was really worried I wasn't gonna be good at expanding it. I was worried that it wasn't gonna f- feel like me. Um, but it really does. Mm.
0: What's your what's your favorite bit from the book?
1: Oh my god. Um okay. let me find it. I can read it. Oh sure, yeah. It's short. Where is it? Um I don't even know like I should like know <laughs> my own book. Um where is the table of contents? <laughs> um where is literary sex pop culture sixty seven? Oh my god, this is so boring to listen to. Um No. Okay. Ed Sheeran releases a new single called I'm in love with your body of work about Agatha Christie. (laughs) (laughs) It sells 9 billion copies more than there are people on the earth. That one, I also, that one, like we've been experimenting with um, ones to read, like at all all of our events. Mm -hmm. Um, We have our launch party at Books Are Magic on Friday at 7.30 p.m. And drinks to follow at a bar nearby, I think. Um, And we're going to be in Washington D.C. over the weekend, so we're kind of we've been trying to like kind of workshop which pieces work live. So like Caitlin read a few um, at a show a couple weeks ago, and I read some on Sunday night at a show. Um, The Ed Sheeran one does really well. Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) All the pop culture ones are good, (laughs) Um, and ones that have like reveals, like kind of in the toward Mm -hmm. the end.
0: How does it feel to have the the book finally out?
1: It still feels weird like I literally I woke up at like 8 today I had coffee my boyfriend was like happy book day and then he went to work and I just like came here and my commute was really annoying (laughs) Um, so it's but there are I'm getting lots of like sweet text messages and lots of Twitter messages and stuff like that so it's still pretty early and I this is the only thing I've done today so (laughs) we'll see
0: yeah well it is early in the day yeah it's early (laughs) Uh, what would you like to be doing next
1: um uh, hopefully we'll write another book um that would be really really ideal and great but hopefully we are talking to our agent about um another book um i will say it would be really fun to do a sequel um because we have learned we were like while we were writing the manuscript we were like oh like we're having such a hard time coming up with ideas after we submitted the manuscript we started coming up with all these other ideas Mm. And we're like, wait, like we could write a whole other book or we could do like... I wrote a bunch of Harry Potter ones that were rejected because I think my editors were uncomfortable with like associating children at Hogwarts with erotica. But I'm like, Harry Potter is like the most popular like erotica. (laughs) It's so popular. I I wrote so many. (laughs) I wrote so much Harry Potter erotica for feminists. I'm like, I could do a book of that. Um, And we did, we published today... um, on the billfold a website um financial erotica for feminists and that was like so natural like making it specific was really fun so we can hopefully like make this like premise um that we think a lot of people like um enough to buy the book um, yeah. last a little longer or if not we can come up with another idea for a second book which we did have to we did have to put some ideas in our proposal mm-hmm. which i forgot to add but we have some good concepts
0: I should have asked the, the House of Cards question, right? You guys have any sequels or reboots playing? Because apparently we <laughs> do. Um, we do. Uh, okay, so we're gonna wrap up with you giving mm-hmm. your thoughts on a, a sketch idea I have. Okay. Um, so you, do you know, you know Survivor. You know Survivor. Yes. Do you watch Survivor? Just, I curious. do not, but I have two yeah. friends
1: who are obsessed with Survivor.
0: I'm a big Survivor. Fan. I'm
1: familiar with the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. concept.
0: Um, so it'd be like you know the Survivor thing where they're very serious about like winning the game, and then there'd just be this guy. Who um, has no interest in anything? Do you just want? He's just coming for the free rice, and so he just like because they they get free rice at the beginning of the show. What they get free rice at the it's a very very okay. specific survivor thing. At the each tribe gets like a like couple pounds of, of rice.
1: Oh, okay, so they can like survive. Yeah, and okay. then the
0: guy's just like, yeah, I'm just here for the rice. I'm I just came here on the <laughs> island trip for the rice to eat. Is it rice.
1: like good rice?
0: No, I think it's just normal. Is it
1: what's that brand like Uncle Ben's?
0: Oh, is that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: What if it was like the microwavable rice from Trader Joe's, and they're <laughs> like, "How am I supposed to fucking eat this?"
0: <laughs> so I mean, like, so he, he, would, so they'd be confused, like, yeah, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I like it.
1: I, I can ask my friends who are obsessed with Survivor what they think, but I think <laughs> <Yeah>. that's fun.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, anything you want to plug? The book, the book, um, is out. the book:
1: New Erotica for Feminists, satirical fantasies of love, lust, and equal pay. By Caitlin Kunkel, Brooke Preston, Fiona Taylor, and me, Carrie Whitmer. Mm-hmm. Um, my acknowledgments are like the last words of the book. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, which is super exciting. Um, you can buy it on Amazon. You can go to a bookstore and demand that they have it. You can um, order it like wherever you like to buy books. If you hate Amazon, you can go to a bookstore. Um, and my website, The Belladonna Comedy, um, is thebelladonnacomedy.com. Um and my Twitter and Instagram like everything for me is at Carrie's Not Scary
0: alright awesome thanks for coming to the show
1: thanks for having me <laughs>